This episode is sponsored by F1 TV Pro. The F1 season is starting up again and there are so many races on the horizon. So many tracks all over the world, so many podiums to try and secure, so much impending anxiety for my beloved Ferrari. We're going to win it this year, right guys? And with F1 TV Pro, you'll never miss a moment. It's completely ad-free and includes live feeds of every practice and qualifying session, F1 sprint events, Grand Prix, and exclusive behind-the-scenes content with driver onboard cameras, team radios and in-depth data. Even better, this year you can completely customise your race weekend around your schedule. With the new mobile-friendly design, you can get all the race action wherever you are in the world and across multiple devices. Whether you're watching on the go, settling in with popcorn to watch live, or you're looking for some more deep-dive content to keep you up to date through the week, F1 TV Pro has got you covered. Sign up today to F1 TV Pro for an unmissable 2024 season. Everybody and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy. It's Brazilian Grand Prix week. We are well and truly into this sprint chaos, and uh, it it's 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 been delivering. It's been cooking as Interlagos always does. They always have the hob on, don't they, Tom Bellingham? They sure do. And I also realised that it's technically not the Brazilian Grand Prix. It's the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, but. Just like Twitter and X, I will never not call it the Brazilian Grand Prix. Exactly. I mean, it is in Sao Paulo, but it is the Brazilian Grand Prix. And we'll probably call it the Brazilian Grand Prix in our YouTube video as well. So deal yeah. with it. Uh, but before we dive into the uh, rest of this content, I've got to shout out a little summon summon because very excited to say that one of the three P1 live shows has sold out, which is absolutely bewildering it's been a week since we put the, the tickets live but glasgow has sold out manchester and london are still available so if you want to come to the p1 live show and you're dilly dallying you're wondering oh shall we go or do you can you go this that and the other get involved because they're selling quickly and uh, we cannot wait for them third of december uh, is manchester fifth of december is glasgow and 10th of december is london uh, there'll be a link in the youtube description and also on our socials right let's get into the sprint was it good? Did we enjoy it? Oh, we yes. <laughs> did. It was it was brilliant. I think the only thing that could have added to it was Lando Norris catching Max Verstappen. That would have been just the icing on the Brazilian cake. But my days, that midfield, Tommy. It was probably so. I would I would say on a whim right now was some of the best racing action we have seen all year was in that sprint. Yeah, definitely because. That's the thing with the with the sprint. I can see everyone now going, you guys didn't like the sprint and it was dry, but Interlagos gets a free pass because the track is so good. Uh, now, it doesn't you know, mean I, the sprint's fixed, does it, Tommy? No, exactly. It doesn't. Uh, although I did tweet that one fix for the sprint is just have it at Interlagos every year. And that is so true because it's the only one, if I... I'm correct, uh, that's had a sprint every year since sprints were introduced, and all three of them were great. Yeah, you had uh, Hamilton whereas, coming back through the field. You had George Russell, obviously. Yeah, um, they've been good. There's been a lot of action, and it is just the fact that Interlagos is brilliant. Um, and I think in that sprint, we, sure, we saw what is so good about Interlagos. Um, it's strange, because in theory, it shouldn't be... It, it almost shouldn't be great, because we 
we complain about tracks like Imola and Zandvoort and things which look amazing and it's incredible uh, circuit and fun circuit, but they're too narrow for these wide cars. And Interlagos kind of is a little bit like that, but for some reason they just have amazing, uh, amazing racing. Uh, and what I love is, you know, th- there's still DRS and stuff and there's plenty of DRS passes down the main straight, but there's switchbacks and there's different things and you see overtaking into different corners uh, and that's what I absolutely love. It's like frantic short circuit. Uh, and yeah, just another another race gone by, because uh, it is technically a race, I guess, uh, where just cements Interlagos is placed as the greatest Formula One track by country mile. Country mile? Wow, yeah. Tommy. I was going to say, yeah, the greatest. Uh, you know, there's always a debate. What's the best Grand Prix, this, that and the other? Uh, but I think Brazil definitely cements itself as number one, uh, at least in recent times. It's such an amazing track. I mean, when do I ever buy props for a, for a Grand Prix like I have this week? And I felt so comfortable wearing it as well. I feel like, you know, I feel like I've found my home with this flag and this this hairdo. Um, and Twitch have been saying uh, how many subs until I actually dye my hair properly like this. I don't know what you're on about. This is actually dye. Forget the sticky up here at the back where I'm wearing my headset. But yes, um, it, it is an interesting sort of discussion, isn't it, about why why is it so good? Why is Interlagos uh, promoting such great racing? And I think, one, it's a short track. Helps, because we are very quickly into the DRS zones. The DRS zones, I think, are perfectly placed as well, where you've got one, then you've got a couple of corners for them to switch a route, do a little this, that, and the other, a little bit of, okay, deep into turn one, but then they've... Um, made a, a poor exit out of turn two, which allows the, the driver behind to have DRS. That's another key thing, which is DRS detection points and allowing for the car that's just been overtaken to have DRS back. And then it's a great length of, of straight as well on that second, uh, after the S's, the center S's, where it's not too long that they just clear off. They're kind of side by side. Then there's a bit more action. And I think as well, you know, I'm not a aerodynamicist by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a short track. You've kind of got quite a slow midsection, which I, I would I would argue doesn't impact the cars as much as, say, medium to high speed in terms of the aero wash. And then all of a sudden you're back onto a long straight again, and there's almost not that long enough of a, a lap for, for the cars to separate. And, and we saw... Yeah. I think we saw on lap three, every single car was within DRS of each other, which you don't ever see usually at other tracks. Um, but yeah, there's there's just something in the water as well, I think, over in Interlagos. There's just something that is just brilliant. In the in the water, in the lakes. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, actually. I'm just going to read this question out um, because it's right at the end. There we go. Uh, but you've already, you've already kind of covered it. Uh, but Tommy Daphne reading Emma. questions. I love it now. He's doing go. the intros. He's reading questions. <laughs> I love this Tom Bellingham. Oh, I just thought I'd read it because it. you basically covered it uh, and I was going to argue against it and you've already done it for me. But uh, yeah, Dappy Emma said, are the two DRS zones too close together? Lots of repassing in the second one. And I would argue that, well, yes, they are too close together and that's what makes it so great because I like that. It's something I liked at Bahrain uh, when you had that brilliant battle with Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen uh, a couple of years ago now where... They were switching back in the corner. You mentioned it on the stream. I didn't like Mexico where a car has DRS, then goes through the three corners and then has DRS to pull away. In my opinion, it should be the other way around where they can fight back because, yes, it 
you know, if you're a Daniel Ricciardo fan, for example, yes, it's frustrating that he kept making those moves on Sainz and then would get passed back again. But that's that's the kind of racing I love personally, and that, yeah. that's what I was lauding the new cars for in 2020 that maybe we've not seen as much as I'd liked, that the battles were lasting so much longer. Sorry, 22, yeah. Um, that the battles were lasting so much longer because you don't want to see someone just do a DRS pass and then it's game over. Like I, I love the fact that the Interlagos provided that, and that's why that midfield battle is absolutely sensational. There's moments where like six cars seemed to have DRS and they were all like weaving in and out of each other. It was it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I don't personally understand the argument against the two DRS zones being too close together because that is exactly what it's there for, is to promote racing not just down the straight and into turn one, but also after that. And then it's it's, it's also tactical as well. Do you go for the move into turn one, potentially going a bit too deep, and then rely on your energy and your battery to try and defend from the car behind or get a bit of more of a slingshot? Or do you wait after turn one and then just wait for the smaller DRS zone to then go up the inside there, but perhaps you might not get close enough or you're following the car really closely into turn one, you get a bit of aero wash. And then I, I think it's brilliant, personally. Uh, it's it's the absolute perfect DRS scenario, in my opinion. And Mexico would be similar if they didn't have a, a really bad detection point where the car who's just passed also gets DRS for the second part of it. So it's it's a very similar um in theory, it should be similar, but it's obviously different and 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 has the opposite effect where you're like, oh, can they come back? Oh, no, they can't because the car that's just passed has DRS again. Um, so, no, I'm a big fan, big fan of Interlagos and every single thing it brings as a track. Um, P1 Patreon member Sophie asks a question. Interlagos proved the sprint can work without variable weather, but it's clearly track dependent. Which tracks would be your ultimate tracks for next season's sprint since they're so keen to keep them? All right, let me get the F1 calendar up. <laughs> Interlagos, Interlagos, Interlagos. Yeah. It's a difficult one because it, it. I think, yeah, Sophie's hit the nail on the head here that it is track dependent. You can, you can still have a good sprint uh, when, you know, we mentioned that the variable weather's helped it a lot this year, but Brazil has delivered three times in a row. And yet some other tracks, I, I saw a couple of... Uh, I think you mentioned this, that it made it interesting that uh, the track is so short. I think that really helps with the sprint. Um, I saw someone mention that Spa doesn't really work for a sprint. I would, would agree um, that it's too long for, <laughs> for, a, for a sprint, in my opinion, and that that short nature of Brazil, I think, just lends it um, so nicely to it, and I think that's why it works so well. Okay, so my six races... Ah, hear me out. Bahrain short. So do Bahrain, but have Bahrain short as the sprint. Mixes it up. We then go to Australia. I think it's okay. It's not too bad. It's a short track. Got that double DRS zone. We love to see it. I'm literally making this up on the fly, so apologies. I also think Montreal is a very good place to potentially have um, a sprint uh, next year. I would then say Austria still, short track, promotes itself reasonably well, I think. Of course, we had variable weather, which helped it um, last time, but I still think it's worthy of having a sprint. <sighs> Silverstone's verging on a little bit too long of a track, personally. 
decent enough. Good but... enough. It's a good enough track generally in racing. Um, I would then go... I wouldn't have one at Spa far too long. Trash yeah, sprint. I agree. Trash sprint. Monza. I think Monza has potential to be good sprints, although it hasn't really delivered previously. But I think just generally that track has been struggling to deliver as, as racing. Um, Brazil... Just have it. Just have it two or three times if you want. You know, if you're, you're trying to think, oh, we need six sprints, just have Brazil three times. That's absolutely fine by me. <laughs> just stay there. Yeah. Just for the end of the season. Forget all the others. Just exactly. stay in Brazil. I don't even know how many sprints sprint. I've, I've I've said now, but um, but I would I would include obviously Brazil, uh, and then you know, Qatar. I know. I think you've actually. I think you're actually on something there that that you just don't have any we get to brazil and then we just have a bumper sprint week six and we yeah. do one sprint a day, a day and then the main race i'm sure that would totally work um yeah. from a commercial standpoint from a formula one perspective from a sporting perspective i'm sure that's exactly what what they're after so you sprint week f1 write that down what would you choose tommy <laughs> uh i think couple of others that I do actually think Qatar lends itself really nicely to a sprint. Um, I like the really high-speed, frantic tracks. That's why I think, yeah, like a Bahrain short. Um, that's why I think this one was was, was so good. Qatar, um, maybe even Hungary. It's the ones that are kind of like quick, almost go-karty kind of tracks that I, I just think work where they're like pushing really hard. Um, could you do like nicer a- in a sprint. Could you? I'm just trying to think. Like, are there enough tracks where you could have an alternate track layout for a sprint? So, like Silverstone, there are alternate track layouts. Yeah, because on the F1 game, they do. Yeah. So you do the nationals, national. But then that alienates. Yeah, all the people in the crowd and grandstands. So it wouldn't work. Yeah. Oh, I mean, god damn it, making money in, in Formula theory. One. <laughs> what about just the fun? Yeah. If there was no crowd. Um... It would be a brilliant idea. Which is, yeah, which is kind of why COVID worked, I guess, and that's why they did Bahrain Short, I suppose. But um, Yeah, true. Okay, cool. We've had a lot of fun with that, and maybe we'll make a full video about that uh, in the oh, off-season. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, go to the start of the sprint race. Let's start there. Uh, where of course, Lando Norris was on pole position, or sprint pole, or first for the sprint, whatever they're calling it. Uh, but he lost out to Verstappen at turn one, and he actually got a decent start. Like, when you looked at the, the aerial shot, it was almost even Stevens between Verstappen and Norris. But then in that second phase, that was where, unfortunately, Lando just didn't get the purchase that, that he wanted. Um, question, which I'm absolutely disgusted this has even been put into the atmosphere, from that's frazziness, was anyone entertained past turn one? What race were you watching? That's frazziness. Were you not entertained after after turn one? Uh, the midfield, yeah. <laughs> I was dialed into. Yeah, no. There right. was a fight, kind of, for the lead for a little while in terms of the the pace and the one point four. Then it got down to one second at one point, and you're thinking, is Lando Norris genuinely going to get within DRS and fight? But the midfield, I think, in this race made the whole race and it didn't matter if Verstappen won by 40 seconds for me. Exactly. If you're having if you're having trouble where you can't if you can't enjoy Formula One when Verstappen's leading, this this year is a lot of pain for you because uh happening a lot. <laughs> we worked out on the the Twitch actually that that's his twentieth win if you include sprints this year, which is absolutely um insane. So we've seen a lot of Max celebrations and Max leading. Um so if you can't enjoy it when he's leading 
yeah, it's not really uh, not really going well for you. And I think this was the perfect example of the fact that if there's enough actually going on, because because when we've roasted the races this year, of course we we always mention, oh uh, well, you know, Max is leading, so it's not made it a particularly exciting championship fight. But the races, there've been good races where Max has won, and I think this was proof that when there's enough midfield action going on and a lot to look at you can kind of forget that Verstappen's in the lead and just enjoy what what it is like I was just grinning ear to ear with that midfield battle of course you were as Alonso involved <laughs> but if you watched us on Twitch like it was just a joy to watch and that that is just like that even though it was for what eighth or something it was like this is why I love Formula One this kind of racing it was lower than that mate it was like 12th yeah. it was 11th and 12th like Ocon and um, well yeah, Ocon was slightly yeah. further behind but Alonso and Gasly was fighting the science train wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, but further down they were battling yeah so yeah um, it was great so sad to see and I guess as well I guess as well it quashes even some arguments we maybe had at the beginning of when sprints came out around will drivers even really care if uh, they're fighting for no points uh, you say we you <laughs> I was never on that bandwagon. All right, fair enough. All right, cool. Just, just out me, out <laughs> me. But no, actually, to be fair, on as an argument against that, technically eighth place was up for grabs. So you're wrong. So <laughs> no, but science did say in our because I asked science deliberately that question about you know is it is it a myth that you won't go for it even if it's for like fifteenth? And he's like, we're animals. Like yeah, we yeah. want to race. As soon as they put their helmet on, they become yeah. something else. Um, Question from Queenland Cincy. When will Lando no wins finally break the curse? That's what that that's that is that really Needless what people slander. are that's the horrendous slander. That is not I mean look, Lando has had opportunities this year. I have said it previously in the podcast and I'll say it again. He has had opportunities and he hasn't uh, maximized the car, but he has also had some incredible races this year. Uh, where I would argue maybe he's exceeded expectations in that McLaren. Um, to call him Lando no wins is mental. It's like the slander that Charles Leclerc gets for having 23 pole positions or whatever he has to his name. Uh, Lando is not in a race-winning car right now. He's in a car that can perform into in in the sort of podium slots and and whatnot. But yeah, uh, I'm not a fan. <laughs> no one's of... in a race-winning car apart from Max because yeah. he's always wins. Yeah. Uh, but when is he finally going to break the curse? Well, I'm kind of glad he didn't win the sprint today because I want to see him win a main race rather than the sprint race. Unlike we saw with Oscar Piastri. I know some people are like, oh, well, you know, a win's a win, which is fair. I want to see Lando do really well. Um, but there's a part of me that's like, I just want to see him win a main race first. That would be nice. Yeah, Lando's pole in the sprint was everything you need to know. Uh, and also what exactly what I said yesterday where... Um, when when he had the problem in the main qualifying, he went, well, at least there's tomorrow. He was like, oh, yay. Um, so it doesn't mean it doesn't mean as much to them. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a bit of a silly argument, really, because uh, it, you're, you're exactly right with the Charles Leclerc thing. It, w what was interesting is I saw a stat, actually, that was like the worst pole position conversions. And obviously Charles was at the top. But if you look at all the other drivers... It was Bottas, it was Perez, it was, uh, oh God, someone else on the grid as well. And that just shows that it's no coincidence that these are all recent drivers. And that is because of two people, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, who have dominated the sport now for nearly a decade, if you 
Kat and Hamilton's dominance and then now Max carrying it on. So they've got so many wins between them that there aren't really many wins up for grabs. So you can't kind of slander Lando for for not winning just because he's not had that that break yet. Uh, and he is he is desperately unlucky because, you know, Russia was his uh, definitely and should have should have been a win. Sorry to bring it up, but um, and he, and even then he wasn't in a car that should have won. Like he shouldn't have been at the front of that race about to win it anyway. It just shows his his skill. So it will happen, and I really really do want it to happen now because I think he's been absolutely sensational this year, and really would would love to see him get a win. Same. And also back to Charles Leclerc quickly, it's actually uh, a little bit of satisfaction that he doesn't actually have the record for the most polls without a win conversion. There is a driver, I can't remember who it was. Maybe you will know, Tommy. Sorry, I, I didn't mean without a win. No, 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 no. I know uh, you're not saying that. I'm just oh. saying I'm just saying that there's, you know, he's had like 11, yeah. uh, an 11-poll streak without winning, but there is a driver from, I can't remember when, who's had like 14. I can't remember who the name of it is, but maybe you, you, you'll think about it at, at some point, Tommy, but if not. Okay, it's probably Montoya or something. No, 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 it's like an older older driver. Oh, there okay, was something that was mentioned. I was like, oh, he doesn't have the record. That's crazy. I thought he'd have the record. But there is a driver that has actually not done that for longer. So um, that's good. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? I know that I am constantly looking for F1 news, stalking Daniel Ricciardo's Twitter, looking for any clues that Ferrari's car is going to be better this season. We need all the help we can get. But if you're struggling to find that special something to spend your time on or have anxieties about not spending your time wisely, then therapy can be a great way to clarify what matters most to you. You can start with BetterHelp, the therapy service that prioritizes your time. You can book sessions around your schedule and with open conversations with your chosen therapist, you can decide how long or short you need your sessions to be. Finding what values are closest to you by starting on your own time and your own terms. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com p1pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P1pod. Right, so moving on now, uh, Mercedes... Um... Wow. I mean, if you're a Mercedes fan, you probably don't want to listen to this too much because they looked rapid at the start, um, but maybe for good reason, because they were going on the attack quite early. And they were, there was a massive drop, especially for, for Lewis Hamilton, which was surprising. You know, if you were going to put money on a driver falling off in a particular car, you probably wouldn't have chosen Mercedes and you probably wouldn't have chosen Lewis Hamilton around Brazil. Um, but it was. It was. Uh, it was almost like a reverse uno card of george russell and hamilton the last race where hamilton was a god on his tires and russell was falling backwards and now it was hamilton that was dropping like a, a stone at the end to the point where he was actually he got drs uh 
down the the main straight on the final run to the line uh by uh Leclerc and no sorry Leclerc was already ahead of him uh yeah sorry Sainz and Ricardo too many Alfa Tauris and Ferraris in the race uh yeah Sainz and uh, Ricardo were DRSing him down the straight so he nearly lost he could have ended up out the points from his sensational start where he put that absolute peach of a move on Perez around the outside it was like a glove like amazing kind of bit of saw a gap went round the outside um they're just gonna have to pray that that is just their soft tire pace and the fact that they're they're thinking about the main race and they'll be better on the the mediums and highs because whether they'll use the softs in the race now will be interesting i doubt Not it for 24 laps no exactly so in a weird way we're actually seeing a sprint that's almost not a spoiler as well because they're probably not going to use the softs so yeah. there's another tick in the box for always have it into lagos i think they will be using the softs to some degree because i mean carlos himself gave, gave it away that they were saving new softs for for tomorrow so i think there might be maybe a first stint on the softs perhaps trying to make up some uh but not that long i guess yeah exactly that that in itself is hopefully quite a good thing as you say for us that that the mediums i mean it's weird because you think ah, the mediums probably you know are the the golden tire for tomorrow but the three drivers that were on mediums made absolutely no progress even at the end of the race like Haas were nowhere Logie Bear was obviously nowhere as well. They're not the three of the greatest um, test <laughs> no. test beds, but also you would expect maybe even Hulk, you know, or whatever to, to perhaps make some moves mm. towards the end. But they their pace was nowhere, so should be make, should make it quite interesting tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is it is odd that of all the people you'd expect to have the race pace and be a bit washed in qualifying, it's Mercedes. But you actually had the almost the opposite the opposite problem, but. Yeah, hopefully in the race it's uh, it's better for them because they, they've they've seemed you know Brazil is one of their their good tracks, particularly like Lewis Hamilton, and that was has to be said like quite a poor poor performance really from from him, very unexpected because it looked like it was like oh we're gonna get a Hamilton and Perez fight for that P two spot. Uh, they were obviously battling on track, but then Hamilton just dropped back like crazy. It's quite soothing for my Ferrari broken heart to see Charles Leclerc catching another car on the same set of tyres and wild. having less degradation or at least having less pain from it. I was I was like, what universe am I in right now that Charles Leclerc is catching someone on old soft tyres? It was, uh, you know, at Hamilton's expense, I'm sorry, but also... You know, we take those very small victories because <laughs> they don't <laughs> yeah. happen often. Uh, question, O2 Rachel D. It seems like Mercedes were driving a Williams and AlphaTauri were driving the Red Bull. Why is Mercedes... Well, I mean, that's going to be quite um, funny, actually, if we go into next year and AlphaTauri genuinely are driving a Red Bull. Um, why is Mercedes <laughs> race pace so bad when that's usually their strength? You know, we kind of dived into that um, previously, yeah. but... Um, I think it was a shock to them, to be honest with you, as to how much they fell off. You saw Hamilton literally sliding in those last sort of five laps, trying to get any kind of traction. Um, the car completely fell off, but only on one side of the garage to some degree because George Russell did a did a reasonable job. Yeah, he did. He kept uh, kept his tyres in check, and Hamilton, yeah, sliding around at the end, looking like he was on some like 
2012 Pirelli tyres yeah. <laughs> where they had no grip and uh, that, we sound that like boomers, aren't we? We sound like boomers. Just I doing an 11 year old reference. Stop. <laughs> I, I can't. My brain can't deal with 2012 being like this boomer reference from I ages know, it's ago. Mad. I still think 2000 is like, oh, that was 10 years ago. Oh no, it's 23 years ago. Mad. I know it is mad, but yeah, disaster. Let's get on to a good part of the show that you'll enjoy, uh, and that's talking about AlphaTauri and Yuki Sonoda. P6 for Yuki Sonoda, only Goat. six tenths behind Charles Leclerc at the end for P5, which is absolutely mental. Fro Stylando 4, are you surprised with Alpha Tauri results? Yes. To this degree, yes. Um, my biggest flop was very much of a, ah, oh, you know, Alpha Tauri won't be great. You know, it was maybe a one-off in Mexico. But perhaps for whatever reason, Alpha Tauri are performing really well at high altitude. Let's not forget that Interlagos is also one of the highest altitude tracks um, behind Mexico. Uh, and for whatever reason, yeah, they they switched on. Soft tyres were brilliant. They were they were great in qualifying and and uh, with the race pace. And Yuki in particular, sh you know, showing some some very good form, which uh, is very much needed for for him when Daniel Ricciardo started to shine a little bit. Um, but yeah, very impressed by by Yuki in particular. P six, three points, yeah. massive for AlphaTauri. Massive, and you know, kind of uh, maybe as a frustrated Sonoda fan, maybe kind of slandered AlphaTauri a bit sometimes for going with wrong strategies and stuff. It was absolute masterstroke from them to put on a brand new set of soft tires because they know that in the race they're miles behind. They've qualified exceptionally well. And even though it points only go to eighth, if other teams, even though we know it's really hard to compete with those top teams, if other teams have problems and maybe are using older tyres like we saw, they could stick with them. But I was very surprised that Yuki could hold on like that. Uh, and move forward, if anything. Uh, yeah, exactly. He was moving forward, like battling Leclerc at the end, obviously finished ahead of uh, ahead of Hamilton as well, like amazing stuff uh and yeah incredible uh ricardo i think should have got got science uh maybe he needed to do a do a piastri and take science in a kind of unexpected place because he just kept getting undone by the same move where what we mentioned earlier with the drs uh overtaking and then being drs'd back maybe he needed to do his uh, a classic Danny Rick dive bomb, maybe in like the infield section or something to to catch him by surprise instead that might have helped. But yeah, brilliant from Alpha Tauri. Uh, Sonoda, like a fantastic result and just goes into that classic uh, thing of the Alpha Tauri drivers. Like always seems that one of them is just the absolute goat at, at a certain time and then is washed in the next race and then they're a goat again. And <laughs> it's just mad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Danny Rick didn't, uh, I wouldn't say it was... No, he wasn't bad, yeah, but yeah, it's just funny two how... Two tenths behind and... signs at the line uh, for a point as well, which is crazy. Next question from Ross Bella 16 Should Yuki be included in the Red Bull seat debate now? Sure, he's still young, but he's clearly become more consistent this season and is not getting destroyed by Danny like everyone expected. Did everyone expect Yuki Snowden to get smashed by Daniel Ricciardo? I'm not No, sure half people that. think he would, half people would think i mean this this is just we had so many of these questions and this this again is just so funny because next race daniel ricardo will probably do something great and we'll be like 
Yuki's washed. Danny deserves the seat. And then the next race, Yuki does something good. And it's like, and then obviously, like Lawson was the greatest driver of all time a few mm. races ago. Um, and it just keeps flip flopping as soon as, <laughs> as soon as one guy does well. But yeah, it's still, it's still good from, from Yuki. And he's shown that, um, the thing I was impressed most about Yuki, uh, and I'm so glad he did, was he didn't throw it away by doing some lunge you were on very worried. Leclerc. I was very worried because I said, I was like, five laps still for Yuki to crash into someone and throw it away. And then he started racing Hamilton and Leclerc. And I was like, oh, no, just settle for the points, even though I don't want you to settle for the points. Cause I mean, he still went for it, didn't he? still he? went for Yeah, he got the Hamilton move uh, done, which was great. Um, but yeah, didn't maybe do anything too stupid with, uh, with Charles when he could have easily done, because like you said, he was only seven tenths off in the end. So could have easily maybe done something a bit silly to try and get a P5, but, uh, bagged the points, which is exactly what AlphaTauri need. And, uh, yeah, who, who knows? Like, uh, it's what seemed like an absolute long shot. It's not a huge amount of points, but Williams not doing particularly great, uh, they keep having these races it's not not completely out of the question that they could leapfrog Williams well Williams might be getting one extra point because Haas have exercised their right to review the uh, United States Grand Prix uh so essentially the footage that was coming out about Perez cutting every single corner in in well not every single corner there was one corner I'm just being sarcastic um but that that apparently there's a thing going around that Perez could drop from P4 to P10 uh, which would then give uh, Logan Sargent one more point, and Hassa doing that as well because it would promote Hulkenberg, I think. Um, so yes, that's that's something that could happen, but it's obviously not anything that's been confirmed just yet. Uh, we now move to a question from Ticey46, and it's about TV direction. Surely F1 has the tech to show the mini box and also has a record, have a recording without the mini box for the highlights. Don't get why they can't do that. We miss so much stuff without the mini box and seems they use it less and less. Maybe it's too much for them to manage fast. Ah, uh, I mean, I've, I said this before. I, I didn't say it, you know, categorically. This is the reason why they do it. I, I, I don't know. I just feel as though there is more that can be done with TV direction. I feel like Whoever makes the decisions, whether it's Formula One, the TV direction themselves, whoever, I just feel like it's just very samey from year to year to year to year. We have the same sort of stuff. There are a few AWS insights that actually give us bits of insight that we actually want. But I don't know. There's, there's key bits of information, and maybe it's because I'm a hardcore, that I would love to see in races, you know, or you know, out in qualifying, is it a new soft? Is it an old soft? Stuff like that that isn't fed to us on a regular basis, which I think helps to paint the picture. I know that we're obviously talking about the Daniel Ricciardo situation in this particular instance, but I think there are ways in which the, the TV direction could be a bit more fluid in 2023 that can help paint the picture to, to newer fans especially. Um, but on a more sort of overtaking action level, yeah, I don't know why they're using the action box less. They definitely are. I don't know why. I think it literally is just a decision they're making. But it is noticeable, especially if you would have seen the uproar <laughs> from literally Mexico where Daniel Ricciardo was trying to pass someone and failed. And we had exactly the same thing of Daniel Ricciardo trying to pass Carlos Sainz and then they cut to Max Verstappen, which is fine. 
and maybe there's a, a rule where they have to focus on the leader and that's it when they go over the line. But it's a silly rule. Then and... you don't need to show the garage and then the second yeah, place. And then second and then... and then third. And it's like, it's three tenths, it's two tenths. You, I mean, there's a clip of me screaming on Twitch, like, just show something. Yeah, the mini box is there. Like, just have Daniel Ricardo's on board pop out so we can see the fact that, yeah, he's like, on the wheel tracks because because that would have been such a thrilling fight you know we you don't want to watch a gap you want to actually see the action and it's always better live um it's funny you mentioned about the fact that formula one hasn't seemed to to progress um and this is a rant that could could be its own podcast in Ooh. one thing but like little, little preview. i <laughs> i i personally think uh and i've had this discussion um before that Formula One is still living in like the 2000s when nothing happened in the races and they're set in their ways of like, it kind of, kind of what you alluded to of like, this must happen, this must happen. Like one, the perfect example for me is that uh, on lap three, they show the start replays. Lap three is when DRS is deployed and you're actually getting a lot of people passing. Why does it have to be lap three? It's almost like this has always been the way, so we do it. But that makes no logical sense because that's when the cars are still close and they've got DRS. So you're kind of missing, and it, that is exactly what happened. You know, we were watching a thousand replays of the start, and then Hamilton and Perez, I think it was, were already side by side into the corner, so we've missed it. Replays was another thing. Like, you don't need to show three replays of every instant when we're having this incredible midfield battle. It's it's a it's a thirty minute race. We can watch it afterwards. Like there's n nothing beats the live footage of battles, and if you're missing it all the time by showing constant and constant replays, it's just very irritating. It's almost as if they could use a small box to show a replay and have. Well, IndyCar do that brilliantly, where they just do a double box. Like, yeah, like nowadays the, you know. The, the improvement in quality of like televisions and things and the, and people watching that in like higher definition and things like that, you can have like a box within a box and still see what, what's going on and stuff. So it, it seems just silly to me that they're still kind of stuck in their ways of like an incident's happened, let's show four replays and then it cuts back and it's like, oh, they're still battling, but we've missed the whole thing because we have to show... 20 different camera angles that are happening and it, it, it feels as me. though they just try and push the offering that they have on f1 tv where it's like well if you want more there's an onboard then you yeah can, i mean the sky f1 have then. been lording <laughs> 20 onboards like it's the greatest revolution since sliced bread when th that's been around for years and years and years having 20 onboards so it's like it's almost as if they do restrict the offering for main just normal race watching and that you go, oh, well, maybe I want to see more. Well, I'll buy F1 TV subscription then. because that, That's the only way I can think of where they restrict the action to some some degree. But it's just it's just a bit frustrating, really. And um, I wish they would show a mini box when Daniel Ricciardo is trying to get a point in a big talking point of Alpha Tauri versus Williams in the constructors, which is a very big storyline. Anyway. Rants have been ranted. A 38-minute <laughs> podcast is quite impressive for a, for a sprint, sprint race. 
That's longer forward. than the sprint race. Yeah, we're, we're getting to a, almost some of our race podcasts. Uh, so we're going to leave it there. It was an amazing sprint. We've got lots to talk about, I think, when we go into the off-season. Plenty of things to discuss uh, moving forward into next year, and I'm sure we will have plenty of time to uh, make three-hour podcasts for that. So, Tommy, what are your final thoughts, my friend? My final thoughts were going to be just that, that we've managed to do a 38-minute podcast on a sprint just into Lagos things. What a goated track. We love Interlagos and we also love each and every one of you for listening and watching. Uh, Matt P1 Tommy on Twitch, if you want to come and watch us tomorrow, watch along to the race. I said a lot of watches there. And um, yeah, remember P1 live show tickets are still available for Manchester and London, but they're going very quickly. So if you want to come along and see us in the flesh do our waffling, then please do. We cannot wait for it. It's going to be amazing and have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll see you tomorrow for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Bye! Bye! P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.